and promise of heaven. And that the saving work of God doesn't just set us free from the penalty of sin. That God's desire is to set you and me from the power of sin. See, the power of sin oftentimes raises its ugly head in our lives. And when I say often, I mean like every day, okay? A lot of times, in, in maybe not necessarily in big, you know, like, you know, I, I, I didn't go out last week and I'm 16 and shoot a lot of people. You know, not like that. But, you know, I can every day be selfish. I can. I, and, and I think about what God is wanting to do is progressively make us more and more free from sin. And so, yeah, we're made new when we are born again and we become followers of Jesus. But we are being made new every day. And every day can be a fresh new start for you as a follower of Jesus. And in that, we really, we really celebrate. I mean, that's really what we, we are about as a church. Um, you know, a couple things I'm going to launch right into. Today we're going to be looking at 1 Timothy chapter 2, uh, verses 1 through 7. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. Uh, pretty neat text of Scripture. I've been meditating on this a lot lately. Uh, obviously preparing for my message this week, but even before this week. And um, just a couple things. We're getting close to the end of the year. Uh, a moment ago, uh, Kimberly was leading us in our worship of giving. And just a, a word here. At the end of the year, oftentimes you get bombarded with solicitations to give to all these different organizations. Okay? You're going to get that. If you haven't gotten it already, you will. And a lot of them will say, well, this year has been... a even more challenging because of COVID or even more challenging because of the fires or even more challenging because of whatever, all right? And, and no doubt that's true. But one thing that sets the church of the Lord Jesus Christ apart is this, is that we have been given the task, we have been given the task of spreading the gospel to everybody we can, everywhere we can, every way we can. Because only the gospel, only in the gospel can we experience the new life we just sang about. Uh, that people can experience freedom. So the reason I'm bringing that up is I'm not going to discourage you from giving anything that your heart is really drawn to. Uh, if you believe God is drawing your heart to give to something, I would just ask you to, to, to just keep there also in your sights is your church. Okay? your church, where God has called you to worship and to serve, and, uh, and, and to, while thinking about others, also think about, because we've also faced some, some pretty big needs this year. We have as a church, uh, more so than usual. And a lot of it goes back to everything that we're going through. And so I don't think we need to panic about it. I'm, I'm not going to try to twist your arm over it. There's not going to be a offering police show up at your house next week. You know, nothing like that. But it's just saying, you know, pay attention to what God is telling you to do. And whatever God tells you to do, please obey him. Okay? That's all I'm going to ask you to do. Uh, give like Jesus. All right. So how do we solve the greatest problems we face as a nation today? How do we do that? And uh, I, hopefully, uh, hopefully you kind of know where I'm going to go with on this. How do we solve the greatest problems we face as a nation today? How do we solve the greatest problems our community faces. How do we solve these problems? And I'm going to say it begins first and foremost with keeping prayer first. I really believe that. 
I believe that, and I'll explain it to you and why I believe that here in a few minutes. Uh, earlier this week, I was talking with my mom on Thursday afternoon. We were talking, and, and we were talking about several things with regards to our nation, and, uh, and, we, and we've talked about this somewhat uh, a lot lately, she and I have. But one of the things that we have observed and that we have talked about is the division that we see in our country today. Our, our country seems to be more sharply divided. Uh, and this was my mom's, this is what my mom told me. She said she feels like in the last 85 years, she's never seen our nation more divided than it is now. And what my mom shared with me is she believes that perhaps the only time our nation has been more divided than it is right now was during the, the Civil War. Now, uh, my mom's not a historian, but she's lived 85 years of history, and she knows a little something. You know, she's experienced a lot. She's seen a lot. She grew up in the Depression. She grew up going through World War II. She grew up, you know, back then, they didn't know they were poor because everybody was poor, all right? They had no electrical power. They had no indoor plumbing. They had no indoor toilets. Uh, they, when they went to town, they went to town on a horse and buggy, okay? Uh, that's eastern Arkansas back in the, the 30s, you know. Uh, and, and, uh, and in the 40s, um, you know, one of her brothers was serving, uh, actually was a mechanic on uh, Dwight Eisenhower's Jeep in World War II, uh, which is kind of cool, yeah. And, uh, um, and I, I didn't know this until recently. He got the Bronze Star during World War II, and he got several other things that I had no, I didn't know anything about this, about my uncle. Uh, but, um, but you know, there was, um, uh, she's just lived a lot. She's seen a lot. She saw, you know, what it was like in the 60s, uh, a lot of the, the, everything that was happening, the radicalization of, uh, of so many things in, you know, quote-unquote, free love, all this kind of stuff. And then the 70s, and, and she's lived through a lot of things. And she said this, she felt like that our nation's more divided today than it's ever been. And then our conversation began to transition towards prayer. And this is what my mom told me. And it's, this, it's like she tells me this a lot. Right now, she feels like the ministry that God has given her is the ministry of prayer. That because of being 85, uh, she's not able to get out and about the way she used to. Most of her ministry now is the ministry of prayer and the ministry of encouragement. And there are a number of younger women who look to my mom as mentors. And her pastor of her church, um, uh, Alan, uh, he likes to, uh, he, he, he likes it whenever I'm there, he'll always say, now who's your favorite? You know, between me and him, uh, Alan Greer. I'm the favorite, all right, Alan, if you're listening today, I am the favorite, all right? I'll answer for my mom. Uh, but but uh, she ministers a lot to Alan, his wife, and um, uh, and and she just has a, a, a ministry there. But she, you know, she told me the other day, she said this, she said that, that she believes that prayer is the most important thing we can do as Christians. That's what she said. She, she said, I believe that prayer is the most important thing that we can do as Christians. And then she followed it up by saying this. She said, I, I believe, she didn't say it exactly like this, so I'm going, to say it a little, I'm going to say it in my words, not hers. But basically this. She said, the enemy, Satan, the devil, will do anything he can to keep us from praying. He will. He will do anything he can to keep us from praying. I mean, he'll keep us distracted. You know, he'll tempt us. Yeah, he'll tempt us. He'll discourage us. If he can, 
But but he he will do anything he can. He'll get us arguing. He'll get us arguing about race. He'll get us arguing about the police. He'll get us arguing about politics. He'll get us arguing about COVID. He will do everything he can to divide the church. And he will do everything he can to keep us from praying. And so I think right now, more than ever, that we need to be uniting as churches in prayer. Instead of dividing over all these other things. That what unites us in Jesus is more important than anything that could divide us in this world. Uh, okay. How do I transition? Um, a lot of times, I've seen this in my life. I can spend time reading the news, watching the news, and afterwards feeling really agitated. Now, maybe you haven't had ex- that experience, but I have. What is the time I spent watching the news, listening to the news, reading the news, and the time I spent agitated was spent invested in praying? Praying for the people I'm agitated with. Praying on their behalf, not against them. Praying on their behalf. Praying that Christ would save them. Praying that they would learn how to put God first place in all things in their lives. What if that time I invested in prayer? And more and more I've tried to do that. I want us to look at the text of Scripture today, and I want us to talk more about this. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1-7. through 7. And this is what the Bible says. By the way, these are not the opinions of a man. This is the Word of God. Paul was an apostle, not because he chose to be an apostle, and not because an ecclesiastical council said he was an apostle. He was an apostle by the command of God our Savior and uh, in Christ Jesus our hope. It was by the command of God. And so when he speaks, he is not speaking mere opinion. He is speaking as the Holy Spirit was uh, enabling him to give us the word of God. And this is what God says. This is what God said to the people of Ephesus and to Timothy 2,000 years ago. And it's what God is saying to you and me now. The Bible says, I urge then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving... Be made for all people, for kings and all those in authority. That we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good. And please, this is God our Savior who wants all people to be saved. And to come to a knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind, the man, Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all people. This has now been witnessed to at the proper time. And for this purpose, 
I was appointed a herald and an apostle. I am telling the truth. I am not lying. And I was appointed a true and faithful teacher of the Gentiles. God wants us to pray with all kinds of prayer for all kinds of people. That they may live peaceful and quiet lives and our godliness and holiness because God wants all people to be saved. To come to know the truth that there is one God, one mediator between God and mankind. Let's pray and we're going to launch into this text some. God, today uh, we are grateful because you alone are God. There are not many gods. There is one God. There is not one God of this nation and another God of another nation. There is one and only one God and you are him. You are the God of the Old and New Testament. You are Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, God in three persons. You are the God who spoke the word and created the heavens, the earth, and everything in them. From one end of the universe to the other end of the universe, you made it all by the word, your word, your spoken word. You are that awesome. You are that great. And you sustain all things. And Lord, today we worship you. And there is one God and there is one mediator, the Lord Jesus Christ. There are not many saviors. There is one savior. Only Jesus. And God, your desire is that all men be saved. God, we want to humbly serve you. We want to learn to pray as you've taught us to pray here in your word. God, help us to really um, metabolize the truth of your word, to be fed by it and to be changed by it. Help us to humbly receive the word implanted that's able to save our souls. I pray this in the name of Jesus, the one who lived, who died, who rose again. Amen. Three thoughts. I'm going to try to keep this real simple for us. Three thoughts. Real important lessons to live by. Number one, God wants us to pray all kinds of prayer for all kinds of people. He wants us to pray all kinds of prayer for all kinds of people. Uh, What the Bible says here, I urge them, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people. For kings and all those in authority. God wants us to pray with all kinds of prayers. Interesting. He wants us to pray with petitions, with prayers, with intercession, and with thanksgiving. Why does God talk to us here about so many different kinds of prayer? Now, let me kind of look at this a little bit and then try to explain what I think is driving this. That God wants us to pray with petitions. Now, a petition would be a specific request that I might pray uh, about myself. Okay, so, for example, I might pray, God, help me to really love and serve the people of Solana Valley Church with patience and with gentleness and with humility. I might pray that for myself. Now, the reason I pray that for myself is because I know I need to grow in all those areas. And I know that... um, I know you deserve my best as your pastor. I'm not up here to perform for people. I'm up here to love and serve people. 
to encourage you, sometimes to correct you, sometimes. Uh, but mostly, I think, to love you, serve you, encourage you, instruct you. Uh, and so I pray. I pray with I pray with petitions that God would help me to get better at that. I pray with petitions that God would help me to love my wife as Christ loves the church. To be patient with her, to be affirming, to serve her, to love her in her love language, not mine. But I pray for that. I pray that God would help me to be a better father for my kids, for Caleb, Cass, and Faith. Um, just to be a better dad. Um, to encourage them. And so God wants me to pray with petitions. And then God also wants me to pray with prayers. Now, petition is kind of a specific kind of prayer. Oftentimes I pray on my behalf. Prayers is more of an umbrella term. It encompasses petitions, but it also encompasses intercession and thanksgiving. So prayers is kind of more of an umbrella word, meaning many kinds of prayer. And then God also wants me to pray with intercession. Now, intercession is prayer when I'm praying more for you on your behalf. So I, I pray uh, on, on the behalf of you as individuals. You know, so I'll, I'll pray for different families. Oh, thank you. I'll pray for different families in our church. Gentlemen, I pray for you guys. I pray that, just like I pray for myself, that God will help me be a better husband, a better father. I pray that God will help you do the same. I I need to pray a little harder. For me, for me, not for you guys. You guys are doing great. I'm sorry, I I, I didn't want to hint that I needed to pray harder for y'all. But I want to pray with intercession on your behalf. Uh. You know, I don't know who else is praying for you, but I want you to know I'm praying for you. And ladies, I'm praying for you. And I pray, kids, I'm praying for you guys. I pray for y'all by name. I do. I I pray for you by name. And I pray mostly that you will put God first place in your lives. I'll pray for you for your your school, too. I'll pray you're really good for mom and dad. Okay? Okay? But I pray for you guys. I do. I pray for you by name. Uh, But intercessions, that's an important part of praying. And another really important part of praying is thanksgiving. Quite frankly, I don't think any of us can do enough giving of thanks. Expressing gratitude, I believe, might be the most important part of how I pray on a daily basis. Because when I am praying and I am being grateful to God, it reorients my heart. It it reminds me to think about all the ways that God has blessed me. It helps me put aside all those wants that I have and start thinking about the haves I have. And the many ways that God has blessed me with fantastic friends, fantastic elder team, fantastic staff, a fantastic church. Friends, you know, and and I just kind of need to remind myself of that 
and to be grateful. But here, you know, what Paul is doing is he's writing to Timothy and he's writing to this church in Ephesus. He's reminding them to pray. And, and, and he uses all these different words. And I think the real point is this. It's kind of like if I write a letter or an email, I might put something in bold if I want to make sure people really see it and get it. Well, you know, when... Um, when Paul was writing the scriptures on one, you know, the parchment or whatever they used at that time, you know, uh, sheepskin, papyrus, depending upon where they were, what kind of writing materials they had, they didn't have bold and italics. I guess you could underline it real simple. But, but you know, when you wanted to make sure people were really listening, you repeat a word again and again and again, or maybe different kinds of words. It's kind of like, you know, if your mom's trying to get your attention and she says, Gary, or she says, Gary Wayne, or she says, Gary Wayne Rondeville, my mom never did that. I was too good for that. But, you know, you know what I'm talking about is that when you start adding names to a name, you're trying to get people's attention. And when you start adding words to words, it's like, this is really important. Please pay attention. But what God wants us to do is he wants us to pray all kinds of prayers, but he also wants us to pray for all kinds of people. And so God wants me to be praying. And, and not only that, what the scripture says is he wants me to be praying for, for kings and all those in authority. Is it that he wants me to be praying? I, I can be really selfish in my praying. I can pray for my little world. I can pray for me. I can pray for my family. I can pray for my church. I can pray for my community, or even my nation. But sometimes i got to get out of me and really pray beyond that. You know, today I just felt terribly convicted. I really need to pray for more for Christians in other parts of the world who are facing persecution. I thought, man, I just don't, I really don't do enough of that. I, I've got to do more of that. And and not only that, but 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 praying for you know, what Paul says is kings and all those in authority. I take that to mean in our world today, presidents and all those who are in authority. That, that, that I need to be praying for people who are running for office, not just the president who is, but others who are running for president. Not the vice, just the vice president who is, but others who are running. I need to be praying for our governor. And, and I need to really, you know, it's interesting to me. I, I've yet to find the text that says we need to criticize our political figures more. I really, I've been searching the scriptures, and I've been looking and looking and looking. I, I have this, uh, what's called a Strong's Exhaustive Concordance. And when I say exhaustive, just picking it up is exhausting, all right? It is like massive. It is huge. It's great for weightlifting, bodybuilding, okay? But it gives you every use of every word in the Bible. The Greek word, the Hebrew word, the Aramaic word, every single word, it's massive. And, um, and I've yet to find a place where God has commanded us to, to criticize those who are in governing authority. Now, if anybody was going to criticize anybody, certainly Paul, certainly Paul would have been criticizing Nero, wouldn't he? I mean, this, is, this was written. These words were written 
we don't know how long. It could have been days, could have been weeks, could have been months. But it wasn't that long after Paul had gotten out of prison. Paul had just appeared before Nero. You remember Nero, the guy who burned Rome, blamed it on Christians, and began to crucify them, covered them with wax, and set them on fire? That guy. And that's the guy that Paul's saying we're supposed to be praying for. And so someone says to me, well, I mean, certainly he wouldn't ask us to pray for that person. Uh, I'm pretty sure all people means all people. You know, that, that we need to be praying all kinds of prayer for all kinds of people. Number two, uh, so why does God want us to pray for all these people? Number two, because God wants, us, God wants us to pray so that we can live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. Hey, would you like a little peace and quiet in your life? You know, we enjoy incredible freedom as a nation. We really do. We really do. I, I actually lived a year in a communist country. In, in the middle of the Cold War, when things were fairly intense. You know, I, I actually went and lived in a country. I actually got on a train, not knowing a word of the language, not knowing where I'd spend the night, not having any money from that nation, stopping at the border between two barbed wire fences, surrounded by soldiers with machine guns and police dogs. I know what that feels like. I know what it feels like to go into a nation that historically has been somewhat hostile to the Christian faith. I've gone to an underground church. I have gone to underground churches. I've been stopped by border patrol down at the border uh, between Hungary and what was then Yugoslavia. Uh, And they checked everybody's identification except for mine, which was a good thing. Because I was an American at a border where Americans don't go. And I was an American at the border where many people, that's how they get out of the the Eastern Bloc nations. And I just happened to be there without any kind of identification. The immediate assumption would have been I was coming from an Eastern Bloc nation trying to get over the border. Uh, God is gracious. Uh, And, but you know, um, God wants to pray so that we can live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. That it, it's, it can be easy sometimes to take for granted our freedoms. But the freedoms we have today, we may not always have. Okay? We may not always have it. And that's why right now we need to train ourselves to pray for these things. And to pray for governing authorities for this very purpose. That we can live peaceful and quiet lives. You know, it, one in eight Christians worldwide. One in eight. One in eight. Just look around you right now. And just start counting people. One. Two. Three, four, five, six, seven, eight. That person right there is being persecuted. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Persecuted. One in eight Christians worldwide are suffering some kind of persecution. Did you know that? One in eight. Last year, 200 Christians laid down their lives in Sri Lanka for the faith. The last year, 924 Christians laid down their lives in the Central African Republic. The last year, 1,350 of our brothers and sisters in Christ laid down their lives in Nigeria. Last year, 9,488 churches, like our church, 
are building, I mean, their, their, their churches, their, their Christian buildings were attacked, burned, and bombed. Uh, thousands of believers were imprisoned without trial, arrested, sentenced, imprisoned without trial. Thousands. Two in five Christians, two in five Christian Asians, two in five Christian Asians face high levels of persecution today. Wow. It's pretty crazy. I think what God wants us to do is he wants us to pray that we, meaning believers here and believers there, can live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. Third, uh, third lesson to live by here. Why do we need to pray? God wants us to pray because he wants all people to be saved and to come to know the truth. The scripture says that, that this is good and pleases God our Savior who wants all people to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and only one. There is one mediator, only one Savior between God and mankind, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all people. God wants all people to be saved. He wants all people to come to the knowledge of the truth. What truth? What truth? That there's one God and one mediator between God and man. God wants us to give ourselves to prayer so that we can enjoy peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. Matt, I'm going to go ahead and ask the worship team to come up. God wants us to be in prayer so that we can live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness and so that all people might come to know Jesus as their Savior into the knowledge of the truth. Uh, let me lead us in prayer, and then we'll close out uh, in worship here. God, today we are so grateful for all the ways um, that you have blessed us. Uh, God, you are great, you are awesome, you are good, you are faithful. Uh, you and you alone are God. And, uh, Lord Jesus, we praise and worship you because you alone are the one mediator between God and mankind. That you are the one who gave yourself as a ransom for our sin. Holy Spirit, we are grateful because in, in, by your work we are born of the Spirit. Born again. God, we want to praise you. We want to worship you. We do not want to take our freedom for granted. Instead, we just want to learn how to be grateful. More grateful every day. We don't want to feel guilty because we enjoy more freedom than other people. But we do want to be more diligent in how we pray for other people and, and what they face. God, again, I'm going to pray for our, our leaders in this country for their salvation. But, Lord, I'm going to pray again for the president of Algeria, whoever that is, and the governing officials there. I pray for their salvation. And I pray, God, that you would allow us but also allow them and for Christians in North Korea and Somalia 
and so many other persecuted nations around the world that we would be able to live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. And I pray, God, for the salvation of those leaders. And I pray this in Christ's name and for your glory. Amen.